Good morning. And peace be with you. And there she is. I'm sorry, baby sister. This is going to be the first time we meet, and I'm going to dunk you in water. But it'll be okay. You know, um, I just am so glad to reintroduce to you my family from Prince of Peace, La Mirada. And um, we have Amelia Nelly here with mom and dad and big brother, the young family. And then the other young family. And <laughs> Michael John's got his thumb up. Michael John, I missed you. I don't know if you remember ever sitting up on the stool with me. And you used to call me Uncle Pastor. And boy, you're good for my heart right now. It's just, it's soaring. So thank you all. And brother, wow, I mean, everyone's here. It's so good to see you all. Good, oh my gosh. So this is a celebration, like a birthday, uh, a rebirth day. And we're just honored to share it with you. Normally at this time we'd have uh, announcements, but I'm going to let you read your announcements in the sheet. So, um, Nick, I'm calling an audible, as uh, you know that I do. I'm grateful to have you here again, Nick, uh, playing for us. Our opening hymn is How Great Thou Art, and it's on page 352 in the green hymnal.
Okay, now the moment we've been waiting for. Come on up, guys, and the sponsors, and uh, grandma, grandpas. If you guys want to come, you can. It's kind of, it'll be, you'll probably see better from there, but you do whatever you want. This is like, you know, the family room, so you just, we'll do whatever you all want. Come on over here, guys. I got to give you a squeeze. How are you? Oh, hi, baby girl. Hi. Hi, you smiling. Hi. Are we going to get baptized today? Yeah. And it's going to be so much fun. And you have a beautiful dress. And I know where that came from. Very special. You like her pretty good? That's good. That's, that's good. God bless you, buddy. This is beautiful. This is wonderful. So what we'll do is I'll have you kind of, Mama, you stand right there. And hi, Pastor Ken. Nice to meet you. Hi, I'm Pastor Ken. Shake your other hand. Your daddy's got his. There you go. Nice to meet you. Hi. Nice to meet you. You guys come over here. And then I'll kind of do it with my back to everybody here. Oh, we got another guy. Hi. All right. Yeah. All right. We'll do that. Okay. Are you ready, little one? I think you're always ready. Yeah, look at you. Okay. You are so lucky, y'all. In holy baptism, our gracious Father liberates us from sin and death by joining us to the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are born children of a fallen humanity. And in the waters of baptism, we are reborn children of God and inheritors of eternal life. By water and the word, we are made members of the Christian church, which is the body of Christ. And as we live in him and he in us, we grow in faith. We grow in love in obedience to the will of God. And to the sponsors, do you guys, can I have one of those? Um, you got a little, you didn't tell you it was going to be a test, did they? Okay. So y'all have, a, you're going to, you can go, mm-hmm, or I do, where it says there. And then after we get done with that, everybody else is going to join in you. So it's, it's not that bad. Okay. All right. Back to our program. So to the sponsors. Oh, you do have to read more. So you say, we present. Okay. By the command of God, you have presented this child for holy baptism. You should therefore faithfully bring her to the services of God's house and teach her the Lord's Prayer, the creeds, the Ten Commandments. And as she grows in years, you should place in her hands the Holy Scriptures and provide for her instruction in the Christian faith that, living in her baptism and in communion with the church, she may lead a godly life until the day of Jesus Christ. Do you promise to fulfill these obligations? Okay. That's for you guys, too. You do and you are. Okay. Holy God, mighty Lord, gracious Father, we give you thanks for the beginning. Your Spirit moved over the waters, and you created heaven and earth. 
and by the gift of water you nourish and sustain us and all living things. And by the waters of the flood you condemn the wicked and save those whom you had chosen, Noah and his family. You led Israel by the pillar of cloud and fire through the sea and out of slavery into the freedom of the promised land. And in the waters of the Jordan, your son was baptized by John and anointed with the Spirit. And by the baptism of his own death and the resurrection, your beloved son has set us free from the bondage to sin and death and has opened the way to the joy and freedom of everlasting life. He made water a sign of the kingdom and of cleansing and of rebirth. And in obedience to his command, we make disciples of all nations, baptizing her in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Pour out your Holy Spirit so that Amelia, who is here to be baptized, may be given new life. Cleanse the sins of this child by your water and your word, and bring her forth to your glorious kingdom by the blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord. To you be given praise and honor and worship through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Now, I ask you to profess your faith in Christ Jesus, to reject sin, and confess the faith of the church, the faith in which we baptize. Do you renounce all the forces of evil, the devil, and all his empty promises? If so, answer, I do. And now the pastor addresses the congregation. Do you believe in God the Father? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Do you believe in God the Holy Spirit? Okay, this is the moment we've been waiting for. It's almost over. We're almost over. It'll be okay. <laughs> Do you think I can hold you? Because if you don't want me to, I won't. Yeah. Maybe not. Should we give, if I clap my hand, will you? Yeah? What do you think? We'll give it a try. There she is. You can still see Mama. Yeah. Yeah, it's not so bad. I've done this before, but not in a long time. Yeah, grab a hold of that and pull. There you go. You got a good grip. Ouch. <laughs> okay. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? All right. Well, 
I baptize you, Amelia. I baptize you in the name of the Father. I baptize you in the name of the Son. And I baptize you in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah, I know, huh? Why did that guy do that? There you go. This is my favorite part of this wonderful vocation. God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks, freeing your sons and your daughters from the power of sin and for raising him up to new life through this holy sacrament. Pour your Holy Spirit upon Amelia, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, the spirit of joy in your presence. Amen. Amelia, you are presented with this candle, and we're going to light it together, but I'm not going to hand it to you. But I'm going to hand it to Cousin Michael John. Where'd he go? Here he is. You and Owen are in charge of this for a little while. You guys share the responsibility. Okay, so turn around. We're going to come this way. All right. So through baptism... Amelia, I want to remind you that your brother and your cousin have been presented your new birthday candle. But with this candle, it's to remind you and all those that are gathered around that this is a special day and that we are here under Jesus' command to let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Amen. Through baptism, God has made Amelia a member of the priesthood that we all share. You're a little bitty minister. Did you know that? And, uh, ooh, good one. And, uh, oh, there you go again. But we may proclaim, this is what we're going to do, and you get to do with all of us, that we proclaim the praise of God and bear his creative and redeeming word to all the world. So we welcome you into the Lord's family. We receive you as a fellow member of the body of Christ, a child of the same Heavenly Father, and a worker with us in the kingdom of heaven. Well, here she is, the newest little baby minister. <laughs> A child of God, a member of Christ's Bride, the church. Welcome, Amelia. And this is the part I have to give her back, right? Uh, well, God bless you, little one. You have made my day, and everybody else is here, and I know that Jesus is smiling at this moment. All right, guys, so here's what you got to do. Before you blow out the candle... You guys promise to tell your little cousin about Jesus? Yeah, maybe read from the Bible to her every once in a while? Okay, good boys. You may blow that out.
And here is that. Owen, will you hold on to that? Here is her certificate. And you can be seated now. <laughs> that, that's for your little sister, so you got to hold on to it for her, okay? Yeah, you do. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, you've done good. You've done good. Thank you so much. All right. Will you all stand if you're able? We come together this very special morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You know, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, that is beautiful sound, isn't it? Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord 
for this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise. Let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. God, the protector of all who trust in you, have mercy on us that with you as our ruler and guide, we may so pass through these temporal that we lose not the things eternal. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Well, that's a tough act to follow, but I'll try and do the best I can. Uh, the first reading today is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 45, verses 1 through 7. You can find this on the Pew Bible on 1131. Uh, it's uh, an interesting note about this is that this is uh, devoted to or sent to uh, Cyrus, who was the only Gentile that God ever anointed because he was such a good man. And he would go on to do good things for God. So this is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of their armor, to open doors before him so the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and level the mountains. I will break down the gates of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. 
For the sake of Jacob, my servant of Israel, my chosen, I summon you by name and bestow on you the title of honor, though you do not acknowledge me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the, set, to the place of its setting, people may know there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light and create the darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. We'll read Psalm, uh, Psalms, I'm sorry, Psalms 96, verses 1 through 13, responsibly, printed in your bulletin on page 6. Psalm 96, 1 through 13. I sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all people. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He will come to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. The next reading is taken from the first book of Thessalonians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. You can find this on page 138 in your pew Bible. First Thessalonians 1, chapter, verses 1 through 10. Paul, Silas, and Timothy. To the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in their prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. 
And so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true. I'm sorry, pages stuck together. And true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven, from whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gospel according to St. Matthew from the 22nd chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Matthew records, oh, this can be found on page 1535 of your Pew Bible. Matthew records, then the Pharisees went out and they laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And he asked them, Whose image is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, So, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God, what is God's? When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him, and they went away. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. This is a good day. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, because nothing good comes from any other source. I had a little story for you. Before I was a pastor, I was what uh, people would call a road warrior. I was a salesman, and I had a territory that took me all through the San Francisco Bay Area at first, and then eventually into the Fresno area, the Central Valley. 
And in the Central Valley of California, there are warning signs along the highways, 99 especially. You've probably seen and there's a cutoff of 152 that goes through a town called Los Banos. And you head that way to go over to Salinas and uh, uh, Gilroy and so forth. So it was one morning. Uh, the, the signs that, you've, that you may have seen, um, it says fog area or dense fog area. Have you ever seen those? Um, the sign is an attempt to warn us uh, that even though the road that you may be driving on now is perfectly clear, the section of road you are on can, and sometimes does, become so foggy that the visibility is near zero past your bumper. It is a warning to slow down, just in case conditions change. And we are getting, at this time of year, closer and closer, when we must take such signs like that in the Central Valley a little bit more seriously. Fall and winter driving in the San Joaquin Valley can get quite interesting, especially in the low-lying areas. And I can remember driving along at a blazing speed of 10 miles an hour on Interstate 99 on my way from Fresno to, to, to Salinas. And it wasn't a traffic jam, but instead what was causing me to go that speed was that at 4.30 a.m., the fog that I was driving through rendered my ability to see in front of my company car to not more than about 20 feet. And even the trucks were taking their time. And as I was driving along, fully alert, I saw a car come on up from behind me on the highway. And it was going really fast. And this person didn't see the freight truck in front of us with the poorly lit trailer until it was too late. And I knew this guy was in trouble, or it was probably a guy. That's how we drive. He was about to have a whole lot more excitement in his day than he really wanted. He hit the brakes at freeway speed, and immediately he lost control of his vehicle. He was headed toward the center divider, and, and back in the old days, the center divider, somebody had the brilliant plan to, to plant eucalyptus trees. And so he was heading towards those. But somehow he managed to avoid them. But his maneuvers had spun him around so that he shot back across the road to the other side. And he went down into a ditch. And the weird thing about the valley fog, as I had said, is that it can be clear. I mean, you could see at one moment, and he must have done that when he got it up to 70, 80, whatever he was doing. He was, he was moving. It can be clear. And then in an instant, the area can be thick as mud. So this driver did not heed the warnings. He and his car's undercarriage paid the price. And there happened to be a CHP officer that was behind him that was following him and 
I'm sure that he rendered his service at a cost, too. You know, in all the years that I drove, I couldn't tell you the number of cars that I've seen down in ditches along the 99 or the 152. There were quite a few. And it's no doubt that many of them had an experience similar to the one that I witnessed that morning, that something changed, and the next thing you know, you're in the ditch. And of course, ditches have been around for a long time. Before there were automobiles, and there have been many reasons for travelers to get stuck in ditches down through the ages. For centuries, thinkers of all kinds have used the idea of ditches as a metaphor for two sides that were both wrong, but were on opposite sides of the truth. In fact, the Pharisees and the Herodians in today's gospel, well, they hoped to get Jesus stuck into one such of the ditch. We met the Pharisees before, but the Herodians, they don't get all of that much ink in the New Testament. The Herodians, as their name implies, were supporters of the Herod family dynasty. And the interesting thing about the Herod family was that it was not Jewish. They maintained their rule with the support of the Roman occupation. And ordinarily, the Pharisees and the Herodians, they absolutely hated each other. And it says something about the desperation among the Pharisees, that they were willing to work with the Herodians the unclean. And the Pharisees and the Herodians, they hoped to present Jesus with two ditches, with absolutely no road in between. They asked this question, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Jesus, if Jesus had said no, then the Herodians would have had evidence they needed to get Jesus arrested. If Jesus had said yes, then he would instantly become unpopular with the people who hated the Roman occupation. And either way, Jesus would be out of the picture, and oh boy, life and business would return to the way that it was before. And of course, Jesus saw through their plan immediately. He also understood something that they did not understand. Jesus understood that both civil authority and religious authority, both civil and religious authority, are of God. God authorizes and is in control of both types of authority. God is in, truly in control. The physical kingdoms of power and the spiritual kingdom of grace are not an either or, but a both. And that's the situation that we are in. And in the Old Testament reading for today, Isaiah points out that Cyrus, who was a, a pagan king of Persia, in spite of all outward appearances, is God's instrument. The Lord used him to work out history for the ultimate good of his people. And likewise, 
when Pilate boasts of his authority either to punish Jesus or to let him go, we read in, in John uh, 19.11, Jesus responded to him. He said, you have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. When Jesus said, therefore, render to Caesar the things of Caesar's, he was telling us that Caesar and all government is God's instrument at work in the physical world. And that obeying the laws of the land and participating in our democracy are part of our obedience to God. One more time. Obeying the laws of the land and participating in our democracy are part of our obedience, the priesthood of believers. It's part of our obedience to God. Now, as interesting as this little, little run-in was, and as nice as it is to know that faithful Christians are also faithful citizens and civil authorities, they're citizens of the civil authorities, surely there is more to learn from today's gospel reading. Please tell me there is, pastor. Well, I will. There's more than just driving in the fog. Here's where the context comes to our aid. This little run-in took place in the temple on the Tuesday before Jesus was crucified. And in a few days, he would die. And with his death, he would pull us all out of the ditches into which we have fallen. You see, the devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh work together to drag us into one of the two ditches. An investigation of the people in one of the ditches finds people who look at God's law as a superficial way, and they say it by this, hey, I can do that. And in this ditch are people who say things such as, well, I led a pretty good life. In this ditch, there are people that say, I've never murdered anyone or robbed a bank or anything like that. I'm faithful to my wife. I spend time with my kids. Yeah, there's a pretty good chance that I'll end up in heaven. This is the ditch, the ditch of self-righteousness. This is the ditch that we often associate with the Pharisees. This ditch is full of people who believe that they are pretty good and that God grades on a curve anyway. Now, if we were to take a look at the other ditch, on the other side of the road, our investigation of the people in that ditch finds people who are really depressed. They have looked at God's law thoroughly and deeply. They fully understand that they cannot keep it. An interview with these kind of people would find such thoughts such as, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I'm just too old to be saved. Or maybe they say, 
No matter how hard I try, it's just not good enough. After all I have done, there is no way that God will let me into heaven. This is the ditch, the ditch of despair. The biblical poster child for this ditch, well, it's Judas, who hanged himself after he betrayed Jesus. This ditch is full of people who believe that their sin is stronger than God's forgiveness. These ditches actually have something pretty important in common. The people in this, these ditches, they depended on self. They depended on themselves. The people in the one ditch say, I am not good enough to get into heaven. The people in the other ditch say, I am not good enough to get into heaven. And every time we look to self, we get pulled into one of those ditches. Even those who say, I will do my best and God will do the rest, are in the self-righteous ditch. And as long as it is up to me, as long as it's up to you, you're in that ditch. You're in one of those ditches. And just as Jesus stayed out of the ditch when his enemies sprang their trap in today's gospel, he also provides a way out of the ditch for you and for me. He instructs us to give up ourselves, to give up ourselves and rest in him. The people in the ditch of despair are right about one thing, and that is this, that we can't live the perfect life needed for eternal salvation. But Jesus did. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And a few days after the events in today's gospel, he died a sacrificial death on the cross. And the following Sunday, he rose from the dead. And 40 days after that, he ascended into heaven. He did all the things that we confess in the creed, that we confess together during Amelia's baptism. He did them for us to pull us up out of the ditch, the ditch that leads to hell. And he pulled us up out of there and up onto the road that leads to eternal life. In today's gospel, Jesus said, Therefore, render to God the things that are God's. With his sacrificial death, Jesus rendered to God the payment for the sin of the world. That is, every sin, every sin, for every person who has ever lived, for every person who lives now, and for every person who will ever live until the end of time. He has paid for your sin. He has paid for my sin. All of our sins are paid in full. Amen? Now the Pharisees and the Herodians in today's gospel tried to make Jesus irrelevant by asking a trick question. 
And when that didn't work, they gave up on subtlety. And they decided that the only way to remove Jesus from the scene was to remove him from this life, to kill him. And during the next few days, they carried out their plan and they arranged to have Jesus crucified. And when Jesus was dead, the powers of sin, death, and the devil thought they had won. But they didn't. They didn't understand that the death of Jesus is his greatest victory. It is by this victory that we receive forgiveness. It is by his victory that we receive life and salvation. It is by this victory that even though we die, we shall rise again. For Jesus himself did not remain in the grave, but he became the first fruits of those who rise from the dead. And it is his resurrection, his resurrection is the assurance that the work that he did, the perfect work he worked on the cross, is the ultimate victory. It is the assurance that we no longer live in the ditch, but that we are now safe on the road that leads to life. The coin in today's gospel had an image. The cross, on the cross, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews, for us is the image of the invisible God. And in that image, you see that God of the universe has done exactly what he has done for you to make you his very own. In conclusion, Paul wrote to the church in Rome, Romans 8.32. He writes, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? In the name of Jesus, amen.
Will you please stand if you're able? Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people in accordance to their needs. God of salvation, you deliver your Son's work through word and power and in the Holy Spirit. Strengthen the church's pastors to proclaim your truth. Increase the faith of all who hear and that they may respond in love steadfast in their hope. Lord, in your mercy, God of all truth, from the rising of the sun to its setting, you make known your salvation in Christ. Bless fathers and mothers as they teach their children your word and your ways. Let them know that there is no God besides you. And so rejoice in your faithfulness. Lord, in your mercy. God, our Father, you appointed Cyrus as your instrument to return your people to Jerusalem. Uphold the authorities of our nation in wisdom and integrity. That we might live in peace with a good conscience. Grant that they would make solitary use of the taxes that we render and lead us to recognize them as your instruments, honoring them as you command. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, our help comes from you. You made heaven and earth. You preserve our life. Have mercy on all who are afflicted, especially those who we lift up in our prayers, in our hearts, and out loud right now. Lord, keep them from all evil and shade them from all harm. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, guard those who travel. Keep their going out and their coming in. Protect them from every trouble, including ditches. Prosper their journey according to your will and make their homecomings joy-filled. Lord, in your mercy, true and living God, you have turned us from idols to serve you and live. As we await your Son's return in glory, grant that we would faithfully receive him at this altar with repentance and joy. Lord, in your mercy. It is into your hands, O Lord, that we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ our Lord and all God's children said, Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Will you please pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts.
With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made for the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection he opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. In the night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, And take and drink, all of you. This is the new covenant of my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we drink of this cup and eat of this bread, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us all now pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. This is but a foretaste of the feast to come, the wedding feast of the Lamb. This holy communion, this holy sacrament is a gift from God for all who believe in Jesus Christ and confess with their mouths that they believe. I heard you. So you're all invited to the table. Come, the table is prepared, and the ushers will bring you forward.
It was a good day. It is a good day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Our closing hymn is on page 389. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. We were going to do all four, but let's, can we cut it to three? Because we're running a little long. Thank you. Thank you.